and welcome to episode 76 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again on today's episode. The Cowboys lose for the third straight week, but they're still in first place in the NFC East. We're going to tell you how the Cowboys can salvage their season and then Major League Baseball. The hot stove is getting hotter with the Yankees prioritizing Garrett Cole. Got some MLB rumors, NBA topics, topics on topics, takes on takes here on the Get More Sports Podcast. When I head to YouTube, read a comment from Tracy Mosley talking about Alex Caruso. He says, there's no question that Alex Caruso belongs in the starting lineup. When he's on the court, the Lakers are the best defensive team in basketball when he's off their top 10. Keep going to YouTube. Give me all those takes over on YouTube. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast these days. But we've got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Lots to get into, so let's get right into it. It's showtime. Are you ready? What it do, baby? Baby, baby. Let's get it on. And, of course, we've got to start with Dem Cowboys. The Cowboys lose again last night, 31-24. And they played a completely inept game on both sides of the football. Offensively, defensively, special teams. After two demoralizing losses, you think this team comes in, they're going to be hungry, they're going to play with a lot of heart, a lot of passion. Not last night. This team looked anemic on offense. They let this Bears offense that was 27th in points, 29th in yards, march up and down Soldier Field, and they took care of the Cowboys last night. And really, this NFC East, the question is, who wants to win this NFC East? The Cowboys clearly don't. The Eagles don't. The Redskins are still mathematically in it in the NFC East. And I got to give it to my friends over at NFL Memes. Here's the Cowboys and Eagles racing for the top spot in the NFC East. It's a race to the finish. And which will get to the stop sign first? It's a race to the finish. Yes, I'm betting on the gray one. I'm betting on the gray one. Do I think at this point the NFL should just eliminate the NFC East from playoff contention? No one in the NFC East belongs in the playoffs, so just take it away from them. Let the Rams play. Let the Bears play. Let another team take that spot. And it's pretty wild, too, because the NFC East is the only division in football where each member has a Super Bowl trophy. But this year, they're struggling. And the Cowboys now 0-6 against teams with winning records. And, of course, it wouldn't be a Cowboy game if you didn't hear from Jerry Jones. Until we can get over here and we'll line up against the Rams, until we can win a football game, I don't care what kind of contention we're in, we've got to start playing and winning a football game uh, so that we can uh, be able to play better than we play tonight. We thought we would be able to uh, uh, basically uh, play better defense uh, uh, against what they were doing. To their credit, uh, they really uh, were very effective against our defense, obviously. And I'm not telling you anything anybody didn't know. So uh, that's the way we look at it. We'll line them up here next week. We're going to go practice, and we're going to try to win a football game. And everybody that's in here that's healthy, and everybody that's healthy that's coaching will be coaching, and everybody that's in here that will be playing, and we just got to play better. Now, what is most perplexing about this Cowboy team is the fact that 
all the metrics say they should be a winning football team. They have more yards gained than the Seattle Seahawks. They've given up less points than the Seattle Seahawks, but they're sitting at 6-7, and seven, and the Seahawks are sitting at 10-2. and two. If you look at it, after yesterday's loss, the Cowboys have the second-best point differential in NFL history by a team with a losing record through 13 games at plus 67. Only the 1963 Lions at plus 71 had a better point differential with a losing record in that same span. Other thing to look at, too, is just how poorly the defense played last night. The defense gave up so many yards. If you look at it, they gave 31 points, 382 yards, 151 rushing yards, and allowed a team to go 7 of 12 in third down conversions that ranks 31st in the NFL in explosive plays. 28th in the NFL in third down efficiency. So last night, Mitch Trubisky, like I said, he was looking like Lamar Jackson against this Cowboy team. And guess what? He's going to remain the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Here's a tweet from Jane Slater that says, Jerry Jones says Jason Garrett will remain the coach, but I can confirm a very real interest in Urban Meyer. In fact, I'm told Stephen Jones spoke with him recently. Lincoln Riley remains a strong candidate and file his name as a possibility Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott per sources. And really, I feel for Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, I told you weeks ago, right after they lost to the Jets, I said it was time to fire Jason Garrett. No matter what it is. Interception, he's clapping. Fumble, he's clapping. Game-winning touchdown, he's clapping. If you want to give Cowboy fans something to clap about, you fire Jason Garrett. Yes! Jason Garrett, he's a dead man walking in Dallas. What must be done eventually should be done immediately. But of course, Jerry Jones hasn't fired Jason Garrett yet. You know why? Because it's all about Jerry Jones and his ego. The struggles that the Cowboys have this year are emblematic of the struggles they've had for the last two decades. It's because Jerry Jones does not want to admit that he was wrong. He wants to do everything on his own terms, and he would rather lose with Jason Garrett than win with Jimmy Johnson. And look, first thing with Jerry Jones, you have to end the obligatory post-game press conference. That is a detriment to the Dallas Cowboys. You can see it on the field. There's just so much pressure to play for the Cowboys. You saw Jason Witten yesterday. He was breaking. You saw Jalen Smith yesterday. He was heated. And it's starting to affect the team. And look, even Jerry Jones. Look, Jerry Jones, even after losses, he's very amiable. He'll answer the questions, but even he is starting to break. Here's Jerry Jones lashing out on Dallas Morning Radio. Good enough, though. We're joined now by Jerry Jones, brought to you by Ford. Ford is the best in Texas. Jerry, how you doing this morning? Hey, guys. Morning. Uh, morning to you. All right, Jerry, you come on every week, win or lose. You answer questions. You know the Tolos and the Cowboys fans want answers today. What answer do you have for how this team is playing right now? We're not playing very well. Are you embarrassed? Are you embarrassed as an organization about how the team is hey, playing? Get your damn act together. yourself. Okay? Now, I'm, 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 we're going to have a good visit this morning, but uh, settle down just a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, as a Cowboys fan, Jerry. a lot to go over. We're not going with your question, but uh, uh, I'm going to uh, give you the answers I'm going to give you this morning. And uh, 
don't like your attitude, dude. Come in. I've been traveling all night, and I'm not. I don't have the patience to jack with you today. I, I understand that, Jerry. I'm just saying, like emotionally. Uh, uh, well, it must ask some questions. All right. So look, this season is over for the Dallas Cowboys. If you don't finish within the top two of your conference, you're not making the Super Bowl. Hasn't happened since 2012 when the Ravens did it. And this team, it was Super Bowl or bust, and they're not getting that done. And if I'm the Cowboys, if I'm Urban Meyer, I don't consider taking this job unless Jerry Jones agrees to be less hands-off. He agrees to stop that post-game press conference, and I'm calling them the Cowboys. I'm taking the W out of their name until they get a win. And we've got some breaking news here on the Get More Sports Podcast. The New York Knicks have fired head coach David Fisdale and assistant coach Keith Smart. The New York Knicks last place in the Eastern Conference, currently sitting at 4-18. David Fisdale, 21-83 in his career as New York Knicks head coach. A 202 winning percentage. That is worst in franchise history. Take that for data. Larry Brown went 23 and 59. Derek Fisher went 40 and 96. Eddie Donovan went 84 and 194. But the New York Knicks, they continue to be a dumpster fire of a franchise. The New York Knicks in the last 15 seasons have the second most losses in the NBA. The last 20 years, they have the most losses in the you NBA. Suck. So David Fisdale really was the fall guy. Yes, he didn't get the most out of Dennis Smith Jr., R.J. Barrett had them out to a 4-18 start, but really, this roster was constructed so poorly by Steve Mills and Scott Perry that if you're a Knicks fan, this really is nothing. This is like trying to stop a flood with a roll of toilet paper because you still have Steve Mills and Scott Perry still running this organization into the ground. They should be cleaning out their offices right now along with David Fisdale. So, yes, David Fisdale is gone, but you still have James Dolan. James Dolan, can you fire yourself at this point? Because this Knicks franchise, they are a complete joke. They're the laughing stock of the NBA. They've been for decades now. And don't you see the similarities between the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Knicks? You got an owner that's delusional. You have an owner that all they care about is wanting to be hands-on. They want to be a part of the decision-making process. Until they hire the right guy and get the hell out of the way, their organizations are going to continue to struggle. I mean, what did Albert Einstein say about insanity? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results? Well, the Knicks have gotten the same results for going on two decades now. I'm going to lay out their process for you and what happens in New York. One, hire new head coach. Try to get the biggest name you can, Derek Fisher, Mike Woodson, Larry Brown, David Fisdale, and then step two, expect instant results. They want instant results from whoever they hire, playoffs, finals, whatever it is, and then step three, immediately start tanking for lottery picks after those results fail. So when that coach doesn't come in and lead the team to the playoffs, you want to start tanking for draft picks. And in step four, hype up the fan base for big-time free agents. So when you don't get the draft picks, when the draft picks don't work out, hype up the fan base for the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Kyrie Irving. Trade away Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Oh, that's fine because you're getting Kevin Durant and you end up with Julius Randle. Step five, fail on both accords for drafting and free agency signings. Step six, 
Dolan starts slandering the team, getting in fights with former players, start getting in fights with fans, and then step seven, fire the head coach as the scapegoat. So at this point, we got to do something. At this point, this New York Knicks franchise, they've been inept for two decades, irrelevant for going on 20-plus years, and one guy has to save them, and that man is Adam Silver. Adam Silver must intervene with the New York Knicks because the league is suffering. The league is suffering right now in the ratings. You got the number one media market, New York, and they've been an absolute tire fire for 20-plus years. You just can't have that, and Adam Silver has no interest in intervening with the New York Knicks. He told the New York Daily News, I wouldn't. It's not my role. Of course, I work for 30 teams, and the 29 teams want to beat that team. That's not to say me getting involved would be good and that I'm in any better position to know what to do. We set the rules, and then we try to have a level playing field for the teams to compete. Additionally, Silver was asked if the NBA had suffered as a result of the Knicks' bad reputation, and he says, I'm not sure. I would just say it would obviously be great in this country's largest media market to have a high-performing team, one that's winning more games on the floor, but at the same time, increasingly with every game available through digital media, league pass apps, national broadcasts, I think the market is less significant than it used to be. All things being equal, sure, you'd like to see a big city team be successful. At the end of the day, you want to see teams compete the best they can. And then David Stern was asked about the Knicks, and he just said it was sickening. So I hate to say it, Knicks fans, but hey, it doesn't matter who's coaching. It could be Phil Jackson. It could be Red Auerbach. It doesn't matter because as long as Dolan is in charge, this team is going to be a tire fire of a franchise. I don't care if they bring Eddie, Whoopi Goldberg back to coach the Knicks. Hey, Pat, pass the ball. What are you, the black hole of basketball? Come on. You want to let her call you a black hole? Man, a hole. Not a hole. A black hole. What's a black hole? A black hole is a theoretical object in space. It is so dense that matter collapses. And light itself cannot escape. I knew that. What's a hole? So I think that video is pretty prophetic because I think the New York Knicks, they're a black hole of a franchise right now. The players, the coaches that go there, their careers. Look what's happening with Dennis Smith Jr. What happened to him? This guy had all the swagger in the world, and he looks defeated. So the New York Knicks, it is a problem for the NBA, and Adam Silver needs to get involved. And I know it's chilly outside, but Major League Baseball hot stove continues to heat up with the news reported by ESPN's Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan reports that the New York Yankees have made signing right-hander Garrett Cole their clear off-season priority and have ownership-level approval to offer him a record-setting deal. Sources familiar with their plans tell ESPN. So Garrett Cole is the pinstripes priority right now. So it's very evident that this Yankee organization, they're not satisfied with 100-win seasons unless they end in World Series parades. They want those parades. They want those commissioners' trophies. They haven't won a World Series in over a decade, and Brian Cashman does not want to strike out this time around. You remember 2017, they missed out on Dallas Keuchel, missed out on Justin Verlander, well, they're prioritizing Cole, and they've already met with Garrett Cole. The Yankees brass, they came out to the West Coast to meet with Garrett Cole, 
And here's Brian Cashman talking about how well that meeting went. Yeah, clearly it's very public. We met with Garrett Cole in Strasburg while I was on the West Coast. Um, at least that's what you all are aware of so far. Who knows who I met with? But um, but anyway, it was a good opportunity to to meet you know some amazing competitors uh, that we've seen uh, do great things from afar. So uh, so got a chance to give them the opportunity to get to know us and uh, and have a chance to get to know them a lot better too. So very impressive personnel. Now, Garrett Cole does have some history with the New York Yankees. The Yankees originally drafted Garrett Cole in 2008 out of high school, but Garrett Cole made it very clear that no amount of money could sway him from attending UCLA. So he ended up playing his college baseball at UCLA, and then the Pirates came, and then when he got traded from the Pirates, the Yankees tried to trade for him. So the Yankees have been trying to get Garrett Cole for years now, since 2008, and then also, during the 2001 World Series in Arizona, the star ledger ran a photo of Garrett Cole at age 11 holding a sign that said, Yankee fan today, tomorrow, forever. And then this June, Cole was giddy when he was watching the Yankees old-timers game from the top step of the visiting Astros dugout, and he yelled after meeting Chris Chambliss, a UCLA Yankee. So it's clear that he has those ties with the New York Yankees. And as an organization, they forged a bond with Garrett Cole. So we're going to see if that investment pays off. And I thought it was very interesting. Listen to Brian Cashman talk about the bond that the Yankees have with Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's case is various members of our, our franchise. You know, Damon Oppenheimer is our scouting director still. Uh, him and a number of his staff members they obviously got a chance to know Garrett Cole because we drafted him way back when uh, we were unable to sign him so some of our people know Garrett Cole um, already um, you know on a personal level him and his his uh, parents and stuff but not you know not me um, so uh, in my case uh, uh, that was a real first you know sit down uh, you where I got a chance to know Garrett Cole but both you know people are very impressive people and and not surprising why they're successful. Uh, you see the ability, but when you get a chance to get to know the makeup a lot better and, and, and the people, you could just, again, they're, they're going to be very productive members of any organization. So um, we'll see what happens. And another thing to consider is when will this process get wrapped up? Everyone thought this was going to end in January and February, maybe even March. I mean, look what happened last year with Bryce Harper, and we all know how Scott Boris likes to run his show, but this could get done sooner than later because, hey, all these teams, the Angels, the Dodgers, the Yankees, they're not lowballing Garrett Cole. They are backing up the Brinks truck for this coveted starter. So when it comes to this decision-making process for Garrett Cole, it really comes down to a couple things. One, is location a factor? If it is, he's from Newport Beach, went to UCLA. That would be nice to be the hometown kid to take the Dodgers into their first World Series championship since 1988. He could be that hero that could end the drought or does he want to go to New York? Does he want to play for his childhood team? I mean, hey, winning a World Series in New York is special, but they have 27 World Series. That would be the 28th. But I'm telling you, one of these franchises is going to win a World Series in the next five years. It could be next year for each of them. Hey, these franchises are on a collision course to meet one day in the World Series. So if you're Garrett Cole, it just comes down to, do you want to listen to Frank Sinatra's New York, New York, or Randy Newman's I Love L.A.? It's up to 
But if I'm Garrett Cole, I think the pull for New York is going to be too strong. The money's going to be there, the pinstripes, the history, and who knows, are the Dodgers going to match the Yankees' offer? But I think the Angels are off the table. The Angels have been talked about for Garrett Cole for years now. I think it's a Yankees-Dodgers battle, and I think ultimately he ends up in pinstripes. But before we wrap here today, I want to hit you with the Get More Sports Fact of the Day. With Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, and Chase Young all competing for the Heisman Trophy in the final weekend of college football, the first Heisman Trophy winner ever had the best run in college football history. The most spectacular run ever was made by a man named Jay Burwanger in a game against Ohio State. Burwanger had an 85-yard touchdown run in which he zigzagged down the field, breaking 11 tackles on the play. Every one of his 11 opponents tried and failed to tackle him, broke 11 tackles. It's still a record today, and Burwanger also was the very first draft pick in the very first NFL draft. But that is going to do it for Episode 76 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast these days. And then right after the show, head over to YouTube and give me all your takes right down below in the comments section. Give me all your comments so I can read them off on the show on Monday. But I hope you guys have a great weekend. See you guys Monday, and I'm out.